you guys need a coffee refill or a donut refill, feel free. Donuts in the back. Satan needs some donuts. So, I envision this morning like three things: donuts, coffee, and the Bible. So that's what that's what we're going to do today. The Bible, coffee, and donuts. All right. So first off, I'll say congratulations. You have leveled up as a Christian for waking up at zero dark thirty to be here at this service. We know that you were. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but feel free to ridicule, you know, everybody else later on for not making it. Um, I'm kidding about that too. Don't do that. But uh, um, <laughs> okay, go ahead. But uh, I will say this much. You know, he is risen. That's the reason why we're here. Is he is risen. And uh, there's nothing funny about that, and that's that's for real. And um, it's all about this. It really is. I mean, it's all about Jesus is risen. That's the greatest story of history. It's the greatest story of the Bible. And so we get to wake up this morning and talk a little bit about that. As I got in my truck this morning to come here, I was thinking to myself, there's a few things that I wake up really early in the morning to go and do. And each time I do it, I kind of feel like I'm a little bit crazy. Like, I'll wake up super early to go up into a tree stand to go hunt, you know, in the morning, wake up before the deer wake up. Uh, I get super excited. You know, 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm half tired, you know, trying to – my brain's barely working, but I'm just excited. Um, think about when you're a kid and you, and you wake up really early on a Christmas morning and you get really excited. And uh, it's just – it's early and, and your brain isn't really working yet, but you're just super excited because it's Christmas. And, uh, you know, just the, the same way I felt this, this morning just coming here is that it's all about Jesus Christ. He is risen, and uh, we get to talk about that this morning. So it's, it's really exciting. So thanks for being here this morning and sharing this morning um, together. So it's just um, we're going to explore the events of the resurrection this morning. We're going to talk about why it was necessary, and we're going to talk about what it means for you and I. So with that said, uh, let's just go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we, we thank you for, for rising again, Lord. We thank you for, that, for not, this just not being a story, that this is a reality, and that you've written us into this story, and uh, we get to be a part of this. And it's just people around us want to convince us and make us think that we're just flesh and bones. We're going to turn to dirt. But the truth is, is that we're going to get to rise again just like you, Lord. We're going to get to be with you forever, and uh, nothing can stop us, Lord. We're with you. And so thank you for just giving us a hope and encouraging us. And I just pray that you would it would be your words this morning as we go through your word and learn a little bit more about you. And we give this day over to you and, for, and the rest of the days of our life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. All right. So for three years, you have walked with a man named Jesus, who seems to be the total embodiment of goodness. You know bits and pieces of the Old Testament, and you might not have perfect clarity, but you do understand that the Messiah will right all wrongs on the earth. Um, but then things go terribly wrong. It's the beginning, um, just, as, just as his fame is beginning to mount, and the possibility of the messianic kingdom comes into your view, uh, he is wrongfully arrested, charged, and ultimately tortured and brutally murdered right before your very eyes. 
What good can come of this? So let's read about Mary, Peter, and John and see what they went through. Open up with me to the book of John, chapter 20, and we'll read the first 10 verses here. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. And the other, the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Okay. So, just for some context, um, let's put ourselves in Mary's shoes for a second. You know, she comes to the tomb in the morning. She's just trying to do the right thing. She's trying to... um, continue the process of of the burial, the proper burial. You know, she's got the spices and, and all that with her. And this is a terrible situation. I mean, her Jesus Christ was just murdered and killed. And so what, that's the, this is the least that she can do, right? Um, let's go back in the story a little bit. Uh, Mary was rescued from seven demons. Mark 16, 9 tells us about that, as well as Luke 8, 2. And so uh, one of the things I remember uh, hearing Chuck Smith say uh, a few months back when I was listening to his commentary on this same section is he said, uh, kind of a loose paraphrase of Luke 7.47, he said, those who are forgiven much, love much. And so with Mary, she had seven demons, you know. She was completely possessed, and uh, Jesus miraculously saved her, pulled her out of that, and she comes from that to now she's walking with Jesus Christ. And she get to, gets to be right there by his side along with the disciples and experience um, those miracles that he did. And I can't even imagine just walking next to Jesus Christ while he spent that three years, you know, ministering here on the earth. And um, Mary got to do that. So think about it like a roller coaster. She was, she was at rock bottom and then she shoots up, right? And now, now he got put on the cross wrongfully charged and murdered, and now what? So it just seems not so good. Uh, And I would say for us that life is a roller coaster just like that. She eventually did discover his dead body, and it it wasn't dead at all. uh, But in the moment that she was in at this point in time, it just really hurt. And so I want you to think about your life. Think about have you been on a roller coaster of life before? And I'm sure that you have. I know that I have. Um, extreme highs and lows, goods and bads, the weddings, the babies, the graduations, maybe a loved one cured of cancer or a new appreciation of life after a car accident. Have you ever had any extreme lows? Depression, caught or stuck in sin, 
hopeless or helpless in some sort of medical situation, death of a close friend or, or a family member, well, welcome to human life. That's just, this is just the way it is. It shouldn't be like this, but this is the way, this is the way it's turned out. But God has restored us. He's made a, a way for us to make the wrongs right. So one of my favorite verses, Romans 8.28, says this, And we know that all things work together for the good, for good for the, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And so I want to emphasize that word all, all things. All things work together for the good. And so we know that any, uh, any good, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Um, bad only can come from the flesh. Good can only come from God. And so I don't know when, I don't know how, but I do know that in some way, shape, or form, the bad will turn into good. It will, um, God will use it for the good one way or the other. So I know that in my own life, um, I can think of times where it was trials or tribulations. It was tough times, and, and those things made me better. I was in Christ. You know, I didn't know why I was in that situation that I was in, but that thing ended up making me better. And so in James 1, it says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. All right, here's another, here's another angle. So if you think that you have it bad, let's consider Joseph from the Old Testament for a second. So think about the story of Joseph. So he had a dream. His brothers were bowing down to him. He was already um, his father's favorite, so he already had that going against him. And then he went and told his brothers his dream. Like, hey, guys, I had this dream. You guys were all bowing down to me. I was like, you know. Um, the big dog, and you guys were just, you know, bowing down to me. And so they were like, all right. They sold him into slavery. <laughs> they literally sold their brother into slavery, and that was after they almost murdered him. And so, you know, you think about a situation like that, it's terrible, right? Well, decades later, he's, he's been in slavery now. He's been uh, in multiple trials and tribulations. He ends up rising to the second highest position under Pharaoh, and his family at that point in time was undergoing a famine in the promised land, and so they had to go search for food. And what do you know? Uh, they ended up having to travel to Egypt to find food, and Joseph was there. And they ended up meeting face-to-face. And when they met face-to-face, how did Joseph react? After what they did to him, this is how he reacted. But as for you, you meant for evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. So, not only is there a roller coaster ride going on within Mary, Peter, and John at this point, and I would even say, and us as well, regarding the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, it was also necessary for these events to occur. Jesus needed to defeat death, sin, and the devil for you and I and for all of mankind. So, let's look at a small sample of scripture foretelling Jesus as the suffering servant. And I'm going to machine gun a few scriptures at you guys for the next two minutes. So just hang in there, and uh, we're, going to, we're going to see some scriptures about the death, burial, and resurrection. All right, here we go. First, we're going to jump to Genesis 3.15. This is the first prophecy of the coming Messiah, and this is after the first sin. This is what it says. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. 
God was telling them right then and there, I'm going to send somebody to the earth. He's going to crush Satan. And that's what Jesus came to do. And in Psalm 22, it says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot's herd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and feet. So this is a, describing the suffering servant. Uh, one last sample from the Old Testament. And by the way, I would encourage you guys, today would be a great day to read Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53 as well. There's so much more in here than just these couple of verses that I picked out. So in Isaiah 53, 2 and 3, it says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. So again, the suffering servant being foretold again. Uh, here, I want to note no form or comeliness, implying that he was a common man. He relates to us common folk. And there are many more, over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that foretell events related to the first coming of Jesus. And a side note is that there's more than twice that describing his second coming in both the Old and the New Testament. So let's see what did Jesus say about himself. Let's look in Matthew. So Matthew 12, 10 says, twelve forty, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And in one last reference, Jesus himself again said, Now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be portrayed into the hands of men. And they will kill him, and the third day he will be raised up. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. So again, Jesus said this of himself. And then the one last thing I'll mention is, is that, you know, what did Jesus claim? Well, John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but, but through me. Jesus is equating himself to God. He is God. And, uh, you know, you know they, I don't think that they knew what they were doing when they crucified him. You know, uh, if they did, well, they wouldn't have done it. And so let's, let's think about this. If Jesus is who he said he was, and he is, our whole entire world changes. Everything changes. He's the son of God. He's our redeemer. He made a way for us to be restored. We sin. Hey, that was a one-way ticket into hell, and he redeemed us out of that if we just believe on him. Uh, he was the defeater of death. All right? He showed us here. He proved to us that even death can't hold him down. And then lastly, He's our personal Lord and Savior. He, he personally gives us life, those who call on him. He personally gives us life, and that's a miracle as well. And um, how important is this resurrection? Well, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. So this is a big deal. Christ risen is part of the story. And, uh, and I would even say, typically, when I, I've, I've taught this in, in other studies before, 
And I a lot of times focus on the apologetic side or the evidence science side or whatever. And uh, there's a couple of good books. I'll recommend The Case for Christ talks a little bit about this, and there, there are some others. But I would just say investigate the evidence of the resurrection. Uh, a lot of people tend to think that that would be an easy thing to debunk because it's so outrageous. But as you go into that, what I found to be interesting was that it just, it, the evidence is mind-blowing. And so uh, it's important. This is a part of this. This is part of the story, the gospel, is that Jesus rose again. And Paul told us that, and he said, basically, he said, if he didn't rise again, then none of this counts for anything. You might as well just throw your Bible away and just go find something else to do with your life. But the truth is, is that he did rise again, and that there is truth. And uh, so, just good to know that. Let's go back into the book of John. Uh, we're going to pick back up verse 11, 11 to 18. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And when they said to her, and they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet descended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and to your father and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. So let's go back to the roller coaster for, for a second. So Mary, she starts out, you know, she's, got, she's possessed by seven demons. She gets freedom out of that, and she shoots up, and she's just walking with Christ on the earth and how wonderful that must be. And then all of this bad stuff happens, and he gets murdered, and, and, um, and she's there for that. And she's at rock bottom again. And next thing you know, Jesus is, is there. I mean, he died. Nobody, you could never imagine that, that Jesus would be there in, at, in the flesh at this point. And he was. He died. And I would say, I would say this. You know, this is supernatural. Um, I love the word supernatural because it means like non-natural. It means like outside of science. And uh, Jesus was able to defeat that. So, you know, but let's think about this. If God is God... He would be able to do that. He created all this stuff. He created science. And so, you know, this is the miracle of all miracles. And Mary was the first of over 500 witnesses to see Jesus uh, in his resurrected body in the 40 days following his resurrection. And so I would say that if Jesus is God, and we know he is, and would supernatural be hard for him to do? No. He defeated death. He defeated death. That's our biggest fear. Uh, he overcame our biggest fear, and he wants us to subscribe to his plan of salvation. And I would even say every salvation is also a miracle. Jesus told Nicodemus that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he also promises us a physical resurrection just like his own. This is not the end of the road for us. In John 5, it says, 
Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. And come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. So there's a, there's a resurrection for, for everybody, and uh, this, isn't, this isn't the end of the road for us. Uh, Jesus is called the first fruits in the Bible, and we are to be resurrected too. And so let's look at what Paul said to the Corinthian church concerning this. First Corinthians, it says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who had fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. So we know that Christ was the first fruits. He proved to us that he can defeat death, and he told us through his word that anybody who believes on the name of him will get to go into heaven as well, and we will be transformed. Uh, our bodies are going to disappear off of this earth, and we're going to go with Jesus, and we're going to get to live in heaven with him. All right, let's uh, jump back in, verse 19. We're going to go 19 to 23. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be to you, as the Father has sent me, I also sent you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And so here we see that Jesus came to the disciples in what I would call in, in their prison. Right? They're they in a prison of fear. And Jesus came and he starts off, he says, peace be to you. He brought peace to them. And, uh, you know, that's, that's fitting for our lives. You know, we, without Jesus, uh, we have a, a prison of fear as well. There's all kinds of things to be fearful of. They were fearful for their lives because they saw what they did to Jesus and, and, uh, and they expected the same thing could be hap happening to them. And they weren't far off. I mean, they, 11 out of the 12 disciples ended up uh, giving up their lives. And so Jesus gave them the Holy Spirit and a mission. And that's the same thing for us. He gave us the Holy Spirit and a mission. And we are an extension of this mission 2,000 years later. In Matthew 28, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them the things I have commanded you. What did he command us? Well, we know from other scriptures, he commanded us to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. In Acts 1.8, it says, You will receive the Holy Spirit and will be witnesses to me to the end of the earth. And so whether that's Peru or Roatan or whether that's here in the low country, whether it's your next-door neighbor or your, you know, your friends, your family members, uh, this is our highest, our highest calling is to just, hey, bring more people to heaven with you. Bring more people to heaven with you. Share the good news. You know, um, be a light. And um, you know, just draw close to the Lord and let him 
let him reflect his light off of you and just that's what better do you have to do with your life make money you know um, there's there's so many things that would distract us in life and uh, and they're just not they're just not worth it and so the the best thing that we could do is just to serve Jesus and share him with other people we want we want to share other people uh, Jesus with other people so that they can have the same hope that we have all right let's Move along from verses 24 to 29. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days his disciples were again inside. And Thomas with them, Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be to you. He said, Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Um, just a interesting thing to think about. So the doors were locked in both cases, right? Jesus appeared inside of that prison that they were in, right? Um, they, were, they were locked because they were in fear from um, they were in fear from the authorities coming in and arresting them and taking them. And twice now Jesus came in through that door, and through his resurrected body, he had the ability to go in and out through through these doors. Um, along with that. The tomb, uh, the tombstone was rolled away. He could have just walked right through that stone, and but yet the stone was rolled away. And uh, and I've heard it said that, you know, he didn't he didn't roll the stone away because he needed the stone to be rolled away so he could walk out. He could have walked through the stone, but instead he rolled that stone away so that we could look in there. We could see that he wasn't there. The fact that he wasn't there in that grave is everything. Uh, it's showing the whole world that hey, look, you know, you can't you can't even. Death can't even hold Jesus. So, so as far as Thomas, let's talk about Thomas. Doubting Thomas, he's, he gets caught a lot. Uh, he needs proof. You guys ever meet an intellectual before? Um, does Thomas really need more scientific proof? Or maybe did he just need more faith, right? Now, I would argue that the resurrection is logically uh, necessary, but at what point do you say enough evidence is enough? And I would say, too, uh, do you think that God is going to reveal all knowledge and all mysteries to you, to me? No. <laughs> That's not going to happen on this side of heaven. So, you know, I think that the Lord gives us enough information to be able to make a, a good decision off of. But faith is, is, is the base requirement here. And, um, you know, faith... Uh, God is the author and the finisher of our faith. And so we need to just come to the Lord. We need to be obedient and come to the Lord to get that faith to even to be able to believe um, to believe these things. And so, so Thomas was caught sort of in that conundrum, right? And so uh, I, I picked up some uh, an interesting, interesting quote from David Gusick. Uh, he put it like this. He said that uh, Thomas's unbelief only kept him from experiencing Jesus sooner. 
The truth was still the truth, whether you believe it or not. It's Thomas missing out, not Jesus. And so, you know, think about that for a second. The truth is the truth. You might not believe the truth, but because you might not believe the truth doesn't mean that the truth's not the truth. The truth is the truth, period, right? Gravity is present. If I jump off of a cliff, I'm going to fall down to my death. I can believe that gravity doesn't exist, but if I jump off of that cliff, I'm still going to fall to my death. And so, you know, Jesus is the truth. Whether people want to believe it, whether they realize it or not, he's still the truth. And, uh, and I think that Thomas, it just took him a little bit longer to, to, to recognize that. And uh, eventually, you know, the Bible tells us in Matthew 7, 7, if you seek him, you will find him. And I believe that Thomas was seeking him. I believe that, that Thomas... Thomas could have known Jesus a week sooner, right? So Thomas missed out on a week of goodness, on a week of peace. You know, he, he could have been in fear. Well, he was in fear for that week, that last week. Um, and so he could have just believed sooner, been at peace sooner in his own life. And how many people do you guys know? You know, they'll, they'll wait, they'll wait, and they'll wait, and they'll push that decision off. And so, you know, I'd say that there's a time element for us uh, that it, it's important for us to want to, meet Jesus sooner, we can have more peace in our life after that. And um, another thing that Guzik said, too, I, I like this. He said that doubt is okay for the believer as a season, as in if you're passing through, but not as a destination. You know, so if you're ever in doubts or if you know somebody in doubts, I don't think that doubts is necessarily a bad thing, right? It's okay to check stuff out, but don't park on it. Don't, don't stop there. It's just a place you can, you know, the, the word does not return void. You know, you can you can dig more, dig deeper in the word, draw closer to the Lord, let him give you uh, the answers that 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 he thinks are best for us. And um, but don't don't just sit on your doubt. You know, uh, it's not it's just a season. It's not a destination. All right, let's read the final two verses here. Thirty and thirty one. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have his name. And so there are many other miracles not written in this book. Wow. If you've, if you've read through the book of John, and I would encourage you to do that, you can do it in, in one sitting, you can do it in one day. You know, in an hour or two, you can read through the book of John. And it's just chock full of all kinds of really, really just supernatural, you know, Jesus doing his thing. And then for John to say on the backside that there are many other miracles not written in this book. It's like he just picked out, he just picked out the ones <laughs> that he wanted to, to be able to, to do what it says in verse 31, which is, so that way we may believe in Jesus as the Christ. And so, um, you know, so that's what the book of John, I, I think, is written for, is so that way we can, we can investigate, we can seek, and we'll find uh, that the Gospel of John is a, is a great and fantastic resource for those who are looking to learn for the first time or maybe bolster uh, their answer to the question, why Jesus? So this would have all been for nothing without the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection is everything. And without the resurrection of Jesus, it would have been nothing, right? So let's remember this today and every day. And uh, 
what does this mean for us? Uh, Romans 6, 4, and 5, it says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Hmm. You know, this is not figurative language. He's saying he's going to, uh, as a believer, you know, we died with him, and we're going to be raised again with him. And so this is not a fairy tale or a fictional story. This is reality. Uh, God wants us to know, just like his son defeated sin, death, and the devil, he has written us into the story too. You know, if you are saved, your name is written into the book of life, and you will be resurrected to eternal life. If you are unsaved, your name is not written in the book of life, and you will die a second death to experience eternal torment, or worse, separation from God, knowing that you made a mistake. Of course, if you're unsaved, you've always got the opportunity, while there's still blood pumping through your veins, to come to know Jesus. And I would encourage anybody who, who knows others, and we all do, you know, they can always make that choice. They can always come to Jesus. And so, you know, I'm looking out there, and the windows are not black anymore. Um, 6.52 is sunrise. So as the sun rises this morning, I want you guys to think about Jesus rising, about new life. You know, today's the first day of the week. It's the first sunlight of, the new, of this week, and we get to remember today what Jesus did for us. And, and uh, he defeated death, and he rose again. And this really is a wonderful story. I know that, like, my emotions don't show it because I'm just a plain, you know, monotone kind of a guy, but, but this is the most exciting thing ever, right? And so let's live today just knowing that. And let's know that uh, this is the most wonderful story ever written, and he wrote us into that story. You guys are all written into that story. And so that's it. That's all I've got for you guys today. So uh, thanks for waking up super-duper early um, and jumping into John 20 this morning. So let's just go before the Lord in prayer and just close, close out. Father God, Lord, we, we couldn't make this up. If, if we couldn't dream this up, Lord. You did this. Or we, we screwed it up on day one. Adam and Eve, they, they couldn't do it. And uh, from the very beginning, you said, okay, I got a plan. I'll fix this. Lord, you love us. We get in our own way all the time, Lord. We're no good. Um, we're the lost sheep. You keep going after us and bringing us back. And uh, thank you for doing that. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us a peace and a joy that just can't even be explained, Lord. Lord, we want to devote the rest of this day to you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for for everybody here. I thank you for the people that are going to be here later on today at the main service, Lord. Lord, we just want to give this day over to you. We want to give every day over to you, but we really want to give this day over to you today, Lord. And, uh, and I pray that you would soften hearts and, and open minds today as, as people just come to this place, Lord, that this, that we would just honor you with everything, Lord, and uh, we reflect your light. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the resurrection. He is risen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.